Welcome to Living the Abundant Life Podcast. I'm Jenny Schmidt, and I'm happy to have my dear friend, Nicole Hanel, joining us today. If the name sounds familiar, then you've probably heard her husband's awesome interview on episode 11. Nicole is one of my closest friends, the godmother of my children, a leader in our local church, and one of the smartest chicks I know. She's a talented writer and influencer on The Lasting Team, which is the nation's leading marriage and relationship counseling app. But the reason I asked Nicole to join us today is not because she wears 10 different hats with grace and skill, but because she has a story of abundant hope that I think we all need to hear. In the midst of sickness, struggle, and disappointment, Nicole continues to have this overflowing hope that blesses my life. I've asked her to share her secret. How is it that through the trials that she has known, does she experience an overflow in hope? So I'm excited for her to share a little bit about her personal and professional life around this topic of hope. So welcome to the podcast, Nicole. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're with us. So just to get started, let's dive in. Tell us a little bit about why you are so passionate about this idea of hope and how that's, it's more than just a cute word on your wall, but it's a reality you live in. Absolutely. I, I've just, from a young age, I think I've always been gravitated to the word hope and the idea and the concept. I think it can be kind of elusive or can seem a little bit hard to grasp, but as I began to really dive into the scriptures, I just became captivated by the idea that hope is the foundational message of the gospel. If we are Jesus followers, then hope is infused into our very spirits, into our very beings. And so hope is the the way that we live. It's the way that we believe. And I just became so entrenched in this idea that if I'm hopeless as a Christian, then something is wrong. Yeah. Because hope is is infused into the life of a believer because hope is who Jesus is. And so this set me on this understanding that hopelessness is then a great litmus test for wrong thinking. Because if I'm not living saturated in hope, then something is off. And through this, this kind of study in my own life, I came across that quote by Steve Backlund that says, every area of your life that does not glisten with hope is under the influence of a lie. And it so convicted me because when I thought about my own life, I realized there were a very good amount of areas that did not glisten with hope. And only when I heard it in that context, that if you're not glistening with hope, then it's under the influence of a lie did I realize the deep impact and the, the deep truth of the message of hope, which is the message of the gospel. And so I realized, and I went on this journey of realizing that there are a good amount of areas that just aren't listening for me. And so yeah. how do I get there? And, and what does that look like practically? Because I understand that life is not always beautiful and life is not always easy, but at the same time, I am living in the eternal life. You know, I am living in a redeemed life as a child of God. And so there has to be a difference. Well, I, I like that quote. And just unpack that for us a little bit. If every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope is under the influence of a lie. So, so what's the lie? Like what, can you kind of give us an example of that? Absolutely. I think the lie is that your story ends here. Mm. The lie is that this is where hope ends. This is the way it's always going to be mm, that's that, good. that maybe, and maybe even the more dangerous lie is not maybe that you'll get hope one day or that things will turn around one day, but that you just won't have hope today. And I think that that's the easier one the enemy can get us to buy because 
I think, oh, well, in five years, when I get where I want to be, it'll be easy for me and I'll have accomplished these goals and I'll have X, Y, and Z. And it's easy to think, well, maybe life will, I have hope for the future way down there, but maybe today I just can't have hope right now. I can't access that hope right now. And I think both of those are what we are invited into as believers. Right. Cause, cause you know, I think that's so relatable. I mean, I've felt that way before and it's pinning hope on external circumstances instead of hope being generated by our internal union with Christ. So Absolutely. John 15, if we're abiding in Christ or abiding in his nature, then we are abiding in hope. Right. I think that's really exciting. And I, I think that's really re- requires a shift in our thinking, a renewal of our minds to say, wait a second, like in the midst of bad external circumstances, our internal reality can be an experience of hope, an overflowing of hope. And that's what I've seen in your life. Thank you. Well, I, it's only by the grace of the Lord. And it's something that I, that I pray for every day, but truly it's just, it's a free gift and it's a constant learning process to be able to access that, but it is ours and it is something that he's offering us, which is just so hopeful in and of itself. So I love that. So just, can you just give us an example of how hope has played out for you in your professional life? Like, what does this look like to abide in Christ, experience an overflow of hope in the peaks and valleys of your professional career? Of course. Yeah. I think I've learned this hope lesson the hard way in this area of my life and probably in others, but, um, the Lord has been so gracious to, to let me see in hindsight, the way that I could have walked and the way that he's inviting me to walk now forward. But in my early career, I had been so laser focused on a a career path, what I believed I was going to walk into and what the Lord was calling me into. And so I really threw myself into internships, into training programs. I found mentors. I really followed an educational path that I believed would land me where I needed to be. And at that time, I... I came right to the edge of being able to accomplish this great dream. And at that point, I experienced a professional disappointment that to me felt like came out of nowhere. And it really was a closing of the door to that entire industry that I felt incredibly passionate about and called to. Mm. And the only emotion that I used to describe that experience is heartbreak because it wasn't as much about the job as much as it was about identity. And I had so attached my identity and my calling and my gift set into a job, which, you know, now sounds silly, but back then it really was entrenched in my thinking. And so to have a door like that close was so painful on an emotional level because it began to lay a seedbed of disappointment that allowed lies to grow. Mm. And those lies in hindsight, looking back were things like, God doesn't see me. God doesn't care about my desires. Maybe I don't have the gifts that I thought I did. You know, even as, as crazy as God doesn't want to bless me, you know, he wants to bless her and he wants to bless him and he wants to bless these other people, but he doesn't want to bless me in this area. Um, things like, where do I belong now? You know, if I don't, I don't know who I am anymore, because if I don't have the gifts that I thought I did or the calling that I thought I did, then where can I serve? And Again, they sound so silly when you say them out loud, but they were the foundation of a festering disappointment for me. And I think I learned in that, in that process that any unexpected, any whether that's disappointment on a small scale or a big trauma, anything that comes unexpectedly, 
it does lay a seabed for something to grow. And I learned that that can be lies or that can be hope. Yeah. And it's, it's not that you're a person that doesn't know truth. I mean, you know, scripture, you know, those things are not theologically sound. And yet those lies were allowed to fester because of a prolonged emotional state of disappointment then, right? Absolutely. I think we're always looking for an explanation. Yeah. You know, if it's the unexpected, it's, we just become, we fill in the gaps with some weird theory or theology that we don't actually believe if we were to stand up on a pulpit, we would say, no, I don't believe that. But but in our heart of hearts, I think we're just always searching for an answer yeah. to blame or to explain or to give us a sense of security, a false sense of hope that this is, you know, if I know why this happened, then I can avoid it next time. And I think that that just becomes our survival mechanism, our coping mechanism. And Nicole, I think you're, I think you're so right. I think that is like our knee jerk reaction to be obsessed with the why rationalize and and make up these theories to fill gaps that aren't even theologically sound. Um, when the fact is, you know, we should not be asking why, but what now? I mean, that's what now is a hope question. Why is a victim question? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, And I, I became, kind of a a shell of myself for a long time. I really, I went through a really emotionally dry place because I was so confused. And I, again, as I said, I had attached my identity so tightly to a professional goal, which, you know, in hindsight, again, it's, it's insipid and, and shallow and, and yet it was foundational for me at that age and at that time. And so I, I came across a scripture in Isaiah, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. And that's really the word that describes how I felt weary because I felt so exhausted. I didn't feel like I had faith anymore. And I, I kind of just read that verse. I'd read it a hundred times, but one morning it just really jumped out at me. And I said, okay, well, I guess it, this verse implies two things. There is a word that sustains the weary, which I guess is good news. And secondly, I guess I can know it. The Lord says I can know it. And so I, I just said, okay, Lord, well, I'm weary. I need to be sustained right now. What's the word? And I felt like he just in such an instant answered me, hope, hope sustains the weary. Mm -hmm. And at that point is when I looked at the puzzle pieces of my life, I realized what a gap there was in hope for me. And that area particularly, there just was, it was so dry and it was so hopeless and emotionally for me is where I was that I realized I needed hope in a big way. I needed an infusion of the God of hope, you know, the, the hope of the Holy Spirit. And, and so it just filled me afresh with a renewed perspective from the scripture. And I, I felt like, okay, I can seek the Lord now. Now I can really ask him the questions and not in an angry way, but in a way of curiosity and and rediscovery of who I was and who he was calling me to be. And so as I went through that process, a a few years went by. And at that point I had a job opportunity approach me. I hadn't been seeking it out. I hadn't been searching for it, but they came my way. And at that time I was sincerely praying about whether or not to go back to work. I had the my daughter was born and, and she had been home for a while, but I really felt the, the desire to, to go back to work. And um, I didn't know what that looked like or how that would fit for our family. And then this job opportunity just fell into my lap and I did the interview. It felt great. There was a great culture. It really was something that I felt like I could grow in career-wise. But 
at the end of the interview, I just had such a sense in my heart that this wasn't quite right, that there just wasn't something quite right about this, just not for our family at that time, not for me. And it was really hard because I felt like the Lord saying, it's your choice, but I have something better. And this time it was my choice. And, you know, the first time it wasn't my choice, but this time it was my choice. And yet I just sensed that this wasn't what, this wasn't the Lord's best. And I walked away from that, from that job opportunity. And that was a really hard day because I was sad by, by the offer and then having to say no. And yet I noticed the difference in myself walking through that a few years down the road, there was a sense of hope for me because I realized that really the Lord truly does have my best interest at heart. And that's really, I think the foundation of, of a hopeful understanding is God cares about me in a deep way. Yeah. So what's, it's, it's really interesting how, you know, in both cases, you're describing Nicole, two professional disappointments, but you walk through them differently where disappointment drove a wedge in your faith. Hope was building a bridge between mm-hmm. you and the Lord. And, um, and so even though you were sad, you experienced temporal emotion you weren't in a place stuck of stuck in hopelessness like you were before. And I, I love that. I think that that's so relatable because yes, you still were sad. We're still going to get sad when things don't go the way we, we think they might, or we planned out in our heads. Like we're going to feel sad sometimes, but you're, you're saying that this revelation of hope, the God of hope, there's a word that can sustain us even when we're tired, even when we're sad. I mean, that, that really changed your experience of a second disappointment, didn't it? Absolutely completely different. And I, I just had a revelation of just the deep affection of the Lord for me and the way that he, he truly does have my life in his hands, you know? And I, I think I just not in control, but in a genuine desire to bless me and not to rest until his blessing is fulfilled. And I think that it just, it led me on an understanding that I, I can trust his process and I can trust that he cares about what he's given me and what he wants to give me. And I can rest in the fact that he's got this, you know, he's writing my story. And I think to your point, I love that phrasing that you use that this hope builds a bridge where disappointment builds a wedge. And I, I really, I really pressed into the Lord in such a curious way of, okay, God, if this isn't it, what's next with an expectation rather than a blame or an accusation, you know? And, and that was really the difference in my heart is, is even though I had a a negative emotion, a sad emotion, I really, truly did have an expectation of good from God. That's awesome. I love that. So, so keep walking us through your journey. I mean, where, where did the Lord take you next professionally? The story never ends here with God. He's just too good. Um, I, so again, I, I, you know, I, I walked away. I, I did some other projects on the side. I, I took another part-time job. It was awesome. I was really, really happy. And I think I came to a place mid last year where I truly felt like I was exactly where I needed to be. Mm. And so in my life professionally, I really felt like he had placed me and planted me right where he wanted me. And I was probably for the first time in, a, I would say a decade, truly satisfied, uh, truly uh, fulfilled and, and with a sense of peace and rest. And at that time, uh, again, another job in a whirlwind of circumstances came to me 
and fell in front of my path and, and really was a dream job and something that used every one of my skill sets and everything that I had trained for, for years and, and yeah. threw myself into. And yet with an incredible culture and incredible environment. And to be honest, I was in a, such a place of trust and curiosity and an expectation that I, it took me a long time to even feel confident in the step to take, to take the offer because I was so like, Lord, I felt like I was in the right place. I felt like this is where you wanted me. And now this, and is this right? And, but again, it just, it drove me so close to him because I just was so eager to know his heart. And when he, when I felt just his sense of peace and his sense of pleasure over this opportunity, it was just even that much more sweet of a testimony because I got to walk into, I would say, a 10-year journey for me of the Lord weaving something together that I never could have imagined. And I look back and I think, if I had just known the ending, I would have walked in hope the whole time. And I saved myself a whole bunch of heartbreak and a whole bunch of disappointment and angry questions and hard days. But I think what I want to what I'm learning and what I, I love to encourage people in is you do know the ending to your story. That's right. We all do. And we all know that it ends in hope. And I mean, even, even death, the most hopeless end to the world has been stripped of its power. And I think that that is just the most powerful message that we extract from the gospel is that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Yeah. You know, praise the Lord, my soul. It's Psalm says he he forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit. He crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things. And he renews my youth like the eagle. I mean, what doesn't he do? He 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 does it all. You know, he he covers every base. And I just think the glorious message of hope in the gospel is that you do know the ending to your story and it's not here and it's not today. If that's grim, you know, and, and I think this journey of my, you know, my professional career in a small, a small case is that I kept thinking, man, if I had just known that God was working something so much beyond what I could have imagined, I feel like I would have been better. (laughs) I would have been, I would have done better in the game, but, but really it's, I've learned now that every new struggle or every new question I face, I recognize I get to know the end of the story and I get to know that there's hope in my future. And I get to know that his desire is to fill me with hope. And I think what I also learned in this is that hope breeds obedience, true gospel hope makes hope makes obedience a reflex obedience to God. And and I love the story of Abraham in Genesis 22. You know, when he's asked to sacrifice his son, Isaac, it says early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. And I was so gripped by that phrase early the next morning, because he's told by God to kill his own, to kill his beloved son. And it's so shocking because (laughs) it's God's own audible voice telling him to murder his child. And I can't imagine the pain and the confusion of that. It goes against everything you know and believe. And yet early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. And I think 
I recognize I want to be that early the next morning girl. Yeah. I want that phrase to describe my response time to the word of the Lord. And I'm ashamed to say in the past, it hasn't been that way. It's it's, it's like late it's, afternoon, like late afternoon after a lot next, of wrestling. <laughs> early the next year, uh, early the next month, if it's, you know, the good stuff. But yeah. the hard stuff, I wouldn't say early the next morning. And and then in Hebrews, it tells us why. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. And so it's that that's one of my favorite verses because it is so it's so scandalous. It's a scandalous kind of hope because God out of his own mouth told Abraham, kill your child. And Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. He thought, okay, well, if that's what you're telling me to do, you've already promised me that through me, through Isaac, I'll have a nation. So if you're going to tell me to kill him, you're going to raise him again. That's just who you are. And I want that kind of hope. I want that kind of radical trust in whatever the Lord tells me to do. There is a hopeful end to the story. And so I just, I want that, that to be the story of my life. Nicole is the early the next morning girl. Nicole hears the voice of the Lord and she responds. Why? Because she knows the end to the story. She knows that even the dead places in her life right now, God is able to raise them. God is able to resurrect them. He is a God of resurrection. And so anything that's dead in our lives, any dead place, any hopeless place will bow the knee to the God of the resurrection. It just can't stay dead. It's just impossible. And so I think that there's such a hopefulness in that message that the resurrection life is within us and it's our invitation to live in abundance. And so I just, I, I want to be like Abraham, you know, and that kind of hope moves me. And, and we see from scripture that it moves God. And so we can be like that. We can be filled with hope, ready to take the next step that God asks of us because we're convinced that hope is writing our story. Girl, I'm about to jump out of my seat. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. And it's like, how do we, how do we partner with this reality um, of hope? And, and it's, it's genuinely believing God is who he says he is. God yeah. is faithful. God is redeemer. He has resurrection power. I mean, Abraham was so convinced in the nature of his God mm. that he said, well, then he guess he's going to resurrect my son. Like he could even raise the dead. So, yeah. so what do I have to fear? And so he obeyed so quickly. I mean, that is astounding to me. So it's like, so if we ask ourselves, how do I then breed hope in my life? I mean, the hope is, is already available, but how do I experience more of it? How do I experience like an overwhelming and overflow of hope? I think Abraham's example is that believe God is who he says he is. Invest your time in, in understanding and knowing the character and nature of God. Listen to him. Enjoy his presence because the more that we understand and truly believe God is who he says he is. His words are faithful. Not one promise will be forgotten or failed. Um, then I think that it, it wells up this hope and this responsive obedience, even in the worst of trials. I mean, what an incredible story. Unbelievable. I love it. Um, so Nicole, I feel like, you know, there's, there's other examples that where you in your life have seen the Lord, um, move through really trying circumstances. I mean, not, um, you weren't asked to sacrifice your child, but, um, in the midst of chronic illness, um, you experience, I mean, this 
agony and yet found hope. And, and this was kind of in the midst of some of the job stuff that you described earlier. Can you talk to us about that? Tell us what did it look like? I mean, you were really understanding hope at this point in your life, but going through this incredible personal trial, um, can you kind of flesh that out for us and, and tell us how did you flourish in hope in this physically painful trial? Sure. Yeah. I, um, for those who don't know me, I, uh, my daughter is now two and a half. And when I was pregnant with her, uh, early on, I was diagnosed with hyperemesis gravidarum, which is basically a, a crazy Latin word for food poisoning that doesn't end. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just incredibly intense pregnancy sickness. Um, and so I, I went through, you know, debilitating nausea. I mean, I mean, fetal position, nausea, nonstop vomiting, um, you know, intense dehydration and obviously all of the, the physical you know, negative symptoms that come with that. And so and we're not know, talking I, about morning, morning sickness. We're talking oh, about like 39 weeks of this, right? Oh yes. So, so, you know, it landed me in the ER very early and then, you know, regular visits, uh, to the hospital at, le- at weekly at one point for IV infusions and, um, potential, I didn't have to get a port as some people that have this do, but some people have to get fluids to take home with them. And I was on, I probably went through five prescription medications and just, to, I was so dehydrated. And, and I remember at one of my hospital visits, one of the nurses had said to me, you know, your, your heart's just really having a hard time with the intensity of your dehydration. And that statement, you know, in a place where when, if you've had chronic illness or any illness of any kind, you recognize that you don't have a filter. You're just all you're focused on is survival and pain hurts quicker because you just don't have that, that ability to, to filter it or to reason through it in the same way. Sure. And at that point, I think I was, I don't know, four, four months pregnant and, and it planted such a seed of fear because I was, I truly felt that I was dying, um, is how it felt in my body. It felt like my body was shutting down. And so there just was such an intense fear that came over me with a statement like that from a medical professional. And it planted such panic in my life. And I began to have anxiety attacks and things that I haven't experienced in the past. And so a lot of this was new and I, I was just so afraid. I, I just thought, I was early in my pregnancy at that time. And I, I just thought I'm, I'm never going to make it through this pregnancy. And if I do, I'll never make it through the delivery. And if I do, I'll never feel better. I'll never recover. I'll never, you know, whatever nevers you add into that story. And I think at some point I got so low. I mean, truly it was at a place where I, I, I wanted to die. I mean, I, it would, it was, I was almost afraid I wouldn't die because surviving through it was worse to me. Yeah. I mean, truly, it was just so painful. It was such a such a dark time in my life, and yet in that place on the bathroom floor. I mean, that you that that was your reality. I mean, you, you're having these thoughts staring into the the toilet. I mean, this is yes. I mean, I watched you go through this. This was horrendous to say the least. It was hard, and so I in that in that really dark place. I really dark, dark place. I, I knew in the back of my mind, I knew that I needed a word from the Lord. I had read every scripture on healing. I had saturated myself with that, but I just knew that in this place where that lie had been planted, you're going to die. And that had caused such panic and 
and such trauma for me emotionally, I, I knew that I needed a word from the Lord. I knew that I just, even if just by the fingernails could grasp and hang on to that, then that's what I, what I had to ask for. And so I called a, a trusted friend, a leader in our church. And I just said, Hey, I, I am on the last straw and I need, I need encouragement because I just don't know if I'm going to make it. And she, she said, I'm on it. And interestingly enough, I, I prayed to the Lord and I said, Lord, I love your word and it's powerful, but I've read every scripture on healing. I feel like I just need a fresh word from you. Would you just somehow confirm what I need to hear? And she called me and she said, this is so interesting. She said, as soon as I prayed for you, I, I went to open my Bible to read a scripture on healing. And the Lord said, don't share a scripture. Just tell her there is an end to this. Tell Nicole, there is an end to this. And when she said that to me on the, on the phone, I was in the car, I had to pull over. I was sobbing uncontrollably. And, you know, I, I mean, I literally could barely drive a car. If I had to drive, I had a bowl in my lap. Um, and she said, she told me, Nicole, there isn't into this. And I, I recognized the Lord's kindness in isolating the lie that was behind at the root of this panic, that this would never end. As I said, this would never change, you know, and this, the Lord's kindness in saying, Hey, this is not the end for you. I, I call endings and beginnings. That's mine to do. Not the enemies, not sickness, not yours. Um, this will change and this will end and your season will come. And, and I, I recognize then more importantly, as, as the Lord had spoken to me, then that my job was to speak it out of my own mouth. And I recognized that my mouth needed to be the first vessel of truth in my own life. Because for those of us who are surrounded by healthy community, who have great friends around us, it's it's fantastic that they speak truth to us and encourage us and pour in us. And we need that. We need the body of Christ. But it doesn't just stop there. It's yeah. it's vital that it comes out of our own mouth because I've been in situations where I've called my girlfriends around me and said, speak truth, speak truth, honey, truth. And they do it faithfully. But then I still get home and I'm still speaking lies out of my own mouth. And then nothing's changing in my circumstances. I'm yeah. still feeling stuck. I'm still not seeing the breakthrough that I'm, that I'm praying for. And, and I recognize that my mouth holds the power in my circumstances. The, the power of the tongue is life and death. And so if I'm going to agree with the word of the Lord, then I can see change in what I'm facing because he's, he's collaborating with me. He's given me that opportunity. And, and I knew that I was speaking lies. I knew that that was coming out of my mouth because again, I was looking for an explanation. I was looking for something to, to say or to blame or just to have as a reason, you know, and I knew I needed to stop. I mean, I had tried lies. I tried it. It wasn't getting me anywhere. So I thought, well, I'll give truth to try. I'll try this. And so, I mean, I, I, I did, I put it up on my wall and I literally would quote it into the toilet bowl hmm. all day and all night. I mean, I, I would just be sick and then, you know, wipe the, wipe it all away and say, there is an end to this. Hmm. And I'd be sick again. There is an end to this. And it, Again, it was, it was so, I, I, I laugh now to think of the image, but it didn't necessarily totally change my circumstances in the moment, my sickness in the moment, Yeah. but 
instantly the panic left. I mean, I remember I, I wasn't having nightmares anymore. I wasn't awake at night having panic attacks. I wasn't living in fear. I knew I was going to live through it. I recognized all of a sudden just this influx of hope in my in my heart because the, the word of the Lord, which is hope, was saturating my mind and my words and my atmosphere and my toilet bowl. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, it was where you were at. me. And, and so I just, for me, I think what I would say to anyone who's facing any kind of hopelessness is to engage your speech and engage your words in the, the adventure of hope that God has for you. And if you don't feel like you have a fresh word from word, open, open the Bible. I mean, there's open Isaiah. There's hundreds of promises that are for you right now. And speak them out. I mean, just don't let it rest. I, I just can't say that enough because our words really do affect change in our circumstances. Yeah, that's so good. I love that scripture in Isaiah you mentioned earlier that there is a word and that we can know it. And yes. for you, you know, to, to, to have the wisdom to seek out, say, hey, someone pray with me. I need to hear from the Lord right now. Mm-hmm. And then you took the next step. And it's so practical. And, and I call it declarations. You know, it's taking a word from the Lord and declaring it and saying with confidence, this is what God has said. And I believe it. And, you know, it wells up as we, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of the Lord. And so when we hear ourselves say, you know, this is not the end, or, you know, yeah. God loves to bless me, or whatever the truth is that he's revealed, all of a sudden we hear it, and faith is the is the response. We believe what we hear. And so if we're hearing lies constantly from our own mouth, we believe it. If we hear truth constantly from our own mouth, we believe it. So what we declare, what we speak, as you've said, has great power. Um, and so, you know, the charge that it seems like you're making is speak hope, speak hope to your own self, to your own circumstances, speak what you know is true and what you would tell your friend who is struggling, but you fail to tell yourself in the midst of your own reality. And, and, and like you've shared, Nicole, it's not easy. It is not easy when you're doing that over a toilet bowl and you're sick for, (laughs) it's not a week. It's not like fat food poisoning for a week. It's like what, 39 weeks. I mean, this was, yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think anything long-term, like that tempts us with the lie that this is forever. Yeah. And I love that the Lord always speaks in absolute language in the scriptures, things like, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will establish your kingdom forever. And I know that the enemy, who is the expert counterfeiter, comes at me with the same language. You know, you'll never get out of this. You'll never see the goodness of the Lord. You'll never see the breakthrough that you're praying for. And I've learned to answer the devil's nevers with God's nevers. You know, devil, you'll never have the last word. You'll never have the victory in my life. You know, the God's love will never forsake me. And so I just have learned to turn that around because in those moments of desperation, I think we like that absolute language. And I'm just having to be careful in my own life. I've learned to be careful that that's God's nevers and not the enemy's nevers. So good, Nicole. That's so timely. It's exactly what I needed to hear today, actually. That is good. Um, 
thank you so much for sharing just personal stories from your 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 own life and family from your professional um, journey I just I appreciate you being open with us and, and kind of giving um, some real examples to what it looks like to persevere through disappointment and sad circumstances and physical ailment and and experience hope fight for hope um, in, in the midst of that and, and really live it out and so I just appreciate and honor you Nicole for for sharing with us today. Thank you for having me so much. Absolutely. You know, I'm sure there's people who are listening today that are dealing with an area of massive lack or disappointment or pain, and it just doesn't seem to be enough hope to survive. And you want an overflowing hope, and this is what's available to you. I mean, this is what Christ died. He said um, he, he died to give us life and life to the full, not meager portion of hope, but abounding hope. And so I would just love, Nicole, if you wouldn't mind, would you just pray over all of those who are listening that may just be desperate for abounding hope today? I would love that. Thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of hope. As the scripture says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that that's our invitation from you to overflow with hope. God, I thank you that your gospel and your name breaks the back of hopelessness. It is a lie. And I thank you that who you are and what you've done for us, God, just catapults us into a life of abundance, into a life of good expectation, that you care about us so deeply that you hold our futures with such intention. And so God, I just thank you that anyone who's listening today, God, that anyone who is facing any kind of hopelessness or lack or pain, or even just the unexpected, Lord, I thank you that you come in like, like a bomb, that you come in like a, the healing father that you are, and you bring comfort and you bring peace. But most of all, God, infuse us with your hope infuse us with your peace infuse us with your joy because it's who you are and it's what you're offering us lord i thank you for what you've done and for what you're still to do we love you and we worship you amen amen thanks so much nicole if you would love to hear more from nicole you can actually read her articles on the lasting app um, and i hope that you'll tune in for our next episode on the living the abundant life podcast thanks so much have a great day y'all